Good morning, everybody. Today, Mr. Hashem, we'll learn Dafyud Beis in Mesechus Bavakama. Uh, we're not in the White House lawn like Rabbi Silber, but definitely our hearts with Chenu Kolbeis Yisrael. Many of us will be joining the big march on uh, on Washington, and so we're the epicenter, close to it. And Bezat Hashem will be uh, effective in all of our efforts to bring. Uh, Yeshua's for Klal Yisrael. Okay, so let's go nine lines down on Yudal Fam and Bez. Andrew, we miss you. Maybe he might show up today. Um, it says, So we were talking about uh, a statement by Ula in the name of Rabbi Lazar that had to do with uh, the carcass of Ashur Shinagach, but we're so far off away from that carcass that, uh, that we barely even remember it anymore. Because we are saying in the context of Ula saying things of Rabbi Lazar, seven different statements uh, that were said. And the seventh one, uh, which Bezat Hashem will say today, is going to set us off on an entire discussion on Daf Yud Beis. But first, let's finish off discussion number five, six, and seven uh, on Yud Aleph and Beis, statements that Ula said in the name of Rabbi Lazar as follows. So, um, the statement number five. Amar Ula Rabbi Lazar, Ha'achid Shechalkus. This is where we left off yesterday. Um, we already learned Yesh Nochlin, Phil. So excuse us if we're experts in um, in the state, real in a state law. Um, so what happens is like this: brothers are dividing an estate, okay, when, that they inherited. So and the, the only question is, do you divide? How, how do you handle the clothes on their back? So the statement that Ula said in the name of Rabbi Lazar is Masha Aleim Shaman, Masha Ain Shaman, right? So. If the clothes that they are already wearing, you're going to actually evaluate and split up. But the clothes, good morning, good morning. We're nine lines down your alpha and base. We're nothing without you, uh, Andrew. But the clothing that the children, right, we, we do not want to divide. Why? Because in order to divide, as Rashi explains, the came into Banu Vonus, Lo Asu Levedina, Lo Mavzina, and Lahu That since, right, the children, how are you going to evaluate how much their clothing is worth? You're going to have to bring them to Bezdin. You're going to have to actually have an evaluation. Well, that is actually a bizayon, right? We're not going to have full families come and have all their clothing evaluated. It's just impractical. And therefore, we just leave it. You let them keep the clothes on their back. Amar Papa, by the time you get organized, Andrew, we'll hopefully soon be on your base. Amar of Papa, Masha Alehin Ain Shaman. So, so Papa says, I'm sorry, this is what uh, prompted Binyamin to, to post on our chat, which is where I also said 525 in the chat, but I may have missed it. There times where we don't even evaluate what's on top of the what? The achin. Okay. However, and we find that in the following case. When you have the eldest brother, I think Andrew is a Bukhar, right? You said? Yes, Andrew is a Bukhar. So Andrew's clothing, we're not going to evaluate. Why? Because the because it is agreeable for the other brothers that Andrew is clothed nice. We want to keep Andrew dapper. Why? Because Andrew is representing the family in all matters financial, and thus, right, because he's smoothly dressed, it is actually beneficial to us because he looks more official at right meetings, and it benefits the rest of the estate for him to be well dressed, and therefore we allow him to have that, and it's almost like a perk. Uh, of of the cost of doing business, and we don't say, oh, uh, those clothes. That we, in other words, the estate considers Andrew to be well dressed as something that is beneficial to the estate, and it's for that reason that we're not going to ask 
the value of the clothing that Andrew is wearing to be included in the estate and divided up, but rather we allow Andrew to keep those clothing without having to put them back in the pot, as it were. Okay, so that was the fifth halacha. Now, Andrew, we're doing seven independent ideas. The only thing that's connecting them together, it's the same on the Amar. Amar, Ula, Amar, Rabbi Lazar. Amar, Ula, Amar, Lazar. So Ula, Kor, Rabbi Lazar, with the following halacha. Again, totally unrelated. We're taking a journey through Shas. Shomer, Shemaso, the Shomer, Potter. What is this? Okay, uh, I gave Andrew something to watch. Andrew ain't got no time for that. He gives it to Barry to watch. Well, I didn't give it to Barry to watch. I gave it to Andrew because I trusted him to watch it. So, and then sure enough, something happens to the thing that I gave him to watch. I gave him my cow to watch. Uh, Barry ends up with the cow. And then now something happens bad to the cow. So is, right, is Andrew Chayev is the question. In other words, typically Andrew would have liability if he was negligent, okay? Andrew wasn't particularly negligent. He just gave it to Barry, okay? Um, okay, now, now, the, so now the question is, had he, now, now the question is like this. There are certain things, right, that if they happened, Right, let's say an unexpected thing happened, right? So if Andrew had held on to the cow and Andrew was watching it in good faith, then he would, Andrew would have been putter, okay? Andrew wouldn't have had liability, right? A big hurricane comes and blows the cow away. That's not Andrew's fault. But the question is, if Andrew gives up his, his <coughs> right, uh, sort of like relinquishes his responsibility and he gives it to Barry and then the hurricane blows the cow away. So it's not technically... It's something that had it been in Andrew's custodianship, he would have been putter. But here, there's an extra layer of delinquency on Andrew's part. Because at the time that it happened, Andrew had given up his responsibility. So does that make Andrew Chayev now? Because it happened under Barry's watch and I did not authorize Andrew to give it to Barry to watch? That's the question. So Ula said in the name of Rabbi that Andrew's still going to be putter. Because just like he would have been exempt had it been under his watch, the fact that he gave it to Barry doesn't make him all of a sudden responsible. Okay. And he adds, Right, this is clearly the case. If I gave it to Andrew and I said, Andrew, can you watch this for me, please? And, I, and he did it to me as a favor. Right, he wasn't, he wasn't getting paid. And he was super responsible. Like he really had no time. He had to go to A San Diego. There was no way he was going to take this cow with him. So he actually went the extra mile and paid. Most of the Shomer Sucker, he paid Barry to watch it. So that's certainly a case where he was not delinquent. He was very right responsible. And he let Barry watch it. And he even paid him to make sure an extra level of, of uh, right, a responsibility. And that's certainly... In that case, certainly Andrew wouldn't be responsible. Why? Because the Aliyah Lishmiraso. Because actually, by paying Barry, he upgraded right the level of accountability. Right? He made he actually paid Barry. Now you know he had heretofore been doing it as a favor. Now Barry's like an official shomer. That's that's actually certainly a case where Andrew should be potter. But the chiddush is that Rula quotes in the name of Elazar that even if I paid Andrew to watch it. And Andrew said, hey, Barry, do me a solid and watch it for free uh, on his way to San Diego. Even there, even there, where I paid Andrew, and that was a serious kind of shmira. And Andrew actually downgraded the level of responsibility by giving it to Barry to watch for free. Nami putter, still Andrew is putter if something were to happen. Why? Because after all, Barry is the ultimate bendas. And Andrew gave it to 
Barry, who is a, you know, of sound mind and could effectively, right, be a Shomer. And therefore, as long as you give it to somebody who's capable of Shmira, that is not considered negligence. And therefore, Ula says, name of Allah, the Allah is that Andrew would be Potter. However, Rava, as an aside, so right, so we said the sixth halacha of Ula, name of Allah, happens to be Rava totally disagrees, completely disagrees. He says, Andrew has no right to, if I asked Andrew to watch it, Andrew has no right to ask somebody else to watch it. As follows. Says Rava, Shomer Shemasa Shomer Chayev. Andrew's Chayev, if he passed it over to Barry, and he's going to take it to the opposite extreme. And it certainly, uh, right, it, if, if I paid Andrew and then Andrew passed it to Barry, right, uh, and, and he did not pay him, that's certainly the Guru Gari Shmir also. In that case, certainly he downgraded the level of Shmir and therefore Andrew certainly should be Chayev. And the amazing halacha of Rava is again the diametrically posed idea that even if I gave it to Andrew to watch it as a favor and Andrew went the extra mile and paid Barry to watch it, still Andrew be Chayev. The Amar because I could say to Andrew, at mehem to yeah, I gave it to you to watch for a reason. Because I consider you to be credible, worth anything to happen, right? I trust you, right, to, to, to make a shvua. Your shvua uh, means something to me. Hi, Lamahem Lebi Shvua. But Barry? I mean, who, you know, I don't know Barry. Why should, I, I, I specifically gave it to you because I was familiar with you and I trusted your shvua. I don't trust uh, Barry's shvua. I don't know who Barry is. And therefore, if I gave it to you, it is only you who can actually right, uh, who should watch it. And it is for that reason the Rebbe will say that even if I um, gave it to Andrew to watch for free and Andrew paid Barry, right, still, if something would happen, uh, Andrew would have cul- culpability, right? Uh, this rule that we're referring to, as Rashi points out, but we already know, is that a Shomer Chinam has to give a Shvua if he says that he did nothing wrong, he has to swear that he was not Poshea. And that would be true if I gave it to Andrew as a Shomer Chinam. But if Andrew paid Barry, there is no uh, such scenario of the Shavua that I would trust. And therefore, it is for that reason that Andrew in that scenario would be Chayev, according to Rava, again, arguing against Ula in the name of Elazar. Now the seventh and final ruling, and this is going to set us off on a whole journey of a specific topic unrelated to everything else we've discussed until now as follows. The Allah is... We can collect, if we, if somebody owes you money, you can take their slaves as payment. Okay? Uh, just as background, uh, if it is known that if I borrow money from Phil and I have to pay back money to him, uh, you cannot collect from a Taltalin, but you can collect from Karka. What am I talking about? As follows. Um, what I mean to say is as follows. If I, borrow money for Phil, and I then, right, sell off uh, my stuff, right, to other people, right? So I give other people money, or I get more cash by giving other, by se- se- selling other people land, okay? And then it's time for me to pay Phil back, okay? And I don't have anything liquid or real estate. I got nothing to, get, to give Phil back. Phil can go and collect... Right, we call this lekuchos. Phil could go collect from real estate. In other words, if our, my um, financial obligation to Phil predates right a real estate deal that I had, so people who are doing a real estate deal with me 
are aware that I may go into some sort of foreclosure and that Phil can go and possibly collect the real estate um, from, from them. And therefore, people are going to take that into account when they buy real estate from me. Of course, if I give somebody cash, Phil's not going to go after the cash or the metaltalin, but he can go after Carcos because we say that those real estate, there's always a paper trail. And so you, when you buy real estate from me, you're taking a risk that I have pre-existing debts. Okay, that's how it works with Carcos. So that's the, that's the distinction between land and metaltalin. The land, uh, Phil can collect from, and metaltalin not. Question is, what about slaves? Okay, so can Phil go and take away slaves, that, uh, my slave? In other words, I don't have any money, but I do have a slave. Can, can Phil get, get that slave? Okay. Says the Gemara, um, So again, uh, according to Ula, in the name of Rabbi Lazar, who's right, all the mandamer for all of these, is that Phil can, that you can collect from the slaves, take the slave as payment. So if Nachman says to Ula, I'm a Rabbi Lazar, yasmi? He just wants to know, did Rabbi Lazar say that you could even collect from orphans? What would be the difference between orphans? Well, there's a difference. In other words, if somebody owed Phil money and that person uh, left, uh, passed away and left an estate, so then is the slave attached to the actual original master? Or even if you're going to say that Phil can, in fact, take the slave as payment, would he be able to take the slave even if that slave was what? Was actually inherited by the estate and he could take it from the Yisomim. So Belazar said, lo, minei. Lazar, when he was asked about that, Rav Nachman challenged him, and Rav Lazar says, no, the Phil cannot take from the uh, Yosomim, he can only take from the original owner. Says the Gemara, Mine? Wait a minute. Why is that even a Chiddush to say that Phil could take it from only the debtor himself? You know, Phil could take anything. That's an obvious halacha. The question is, why would Ula say such an obvious halacha? Right, in other words, the Chiddush is supposed to be that you can't take from the Yisomim, but here it's assumed to be that the Chiddush is that you could take from the actual original debtor. Well, that's obvious. From the original debtor, you could take everything. You could even take the shirt off his back, quite literally. That's what it means, right? Gemara explains, no, no. Let me explain to you what the case is. This is what Renachman was asking, and this is what, right, what Rebbe Lazar was answering. As follows, apotiki, the last Rashi on Yudalfim Beis, apo koi. It's an amalgamation of, right, uh, the words that say, this debt will be here. What, what's this debt will be here? In other words, it's, it's a situation where I, let's say, made the slave an apotiki and then sold him. That's the point. Okay, that's what he's explaining. Rashi says, di'i machro gove balchov mimeno. That's the case. In other words, up until now we were saying maybe this slave is by me. But no. I said, uh, when we made the original deal, Phil, I said, you know what? If anything were to happen and I were to default and I couldn't pay you back, uh, my slave, Frank, is going to be, that, that's, that's where you're going to collect from. And then I went ahead and I sold Frank to Barry. Oh, well, once I made him an apotiki and I specified that Frank will be, will be right, the slave, so that's the case that, that Rabbi Lazar says that Phil can collect, right, Frank, right, can collect the Evid from Barry. 
Kedarava. And that's in accordance to the Allah of Rava, Damarava, Sa'avda, Potiki, Makro, that if a debtor made a slave in a Potiki, which is he designated it at the time of the transaction as sort of like the collateral, like this is going to be the slave if I default, you could take him. And then I sold said slave to Barry, Balchav, Gova, Himenu, that actually Phil could take it from and collect it from Barry. Okay. However, Shara, Potiki, Makro, this is unlike, so this is what you could do with a slave. But if I said, Phil, you could take my car or my shore, right, uh, as collateral, and then I sold that to Barry, then certainly Phil wouldn't be able to collect that from Barry. Why? My taima, ha isle kala vahai, lesle kala, that a slave has a coal, which is to say people typically know it is known, there's a paper trail and a knowledge of who the slave belongs to. Not as much a car, even though there's Carfax, it's true, but like a car or metalcalin or a shore is something that you can't collect. So again, this is very analogous to what we say about the difference between metalcalin and karka, right? It's making it sound like the slave is more like karka in the sense that, right, again, that whenever I sell uh, karka to somebody, Phil could collect that karka because that has a paper trail and then, and Barry, if you were to get it from me, knowing that I might default on my loans, you, you're buying it at your own risk. So at this point, we're treating the slave like karka. We're saying there's a call and that just like, and it would be the case maybe only if he designates it a potiki, but unlike Metatolin or Shore, where if Barry buys it, that's his to keep and Phil could never collect it from him. And slave, that may not be the case. So as we finally arrive at your base, Amadalif, we say it like this, an amazing follow-up to the story. So again, up until now, right, Ula said that a creditor can only collect, right, when Rav Nachman asked uh, Ula what Rabbi Lazar hold with regards to the estate, Rabbi Lazar, then Rabbi Lazar, uh, Ula answered, yeah, you know what, you can collect only, Rabbi Lazar answered only to Rav Nachman, you can only collect from the original owner, you cannot collect from Yosomim, right? Just, um, uh, the, in other words, you can collect, uh, right? You cannot collect from Yosomim, right? You can only collect it from the original owner. And then, Levaso de Nafak, so again, Rav Nachman asked Ula, what did Rabbi Lazar hold about this? And Ula told him that you cannot collect from Yosomim. And then, Levaso de Nafak, Nachman left the base marriage, Amr Ula, and Ula said to the students, you know, you know, I don't know what Rabbi Lazar really said? Afilu miyasmi. He said that you can even collect from Yosomim. Unbelievable. In other words, when Nachman asked whether you can collect from Yosomim, Rab Ula knew <laughs> that Rab Nachman held that you cannot. So instead of getting into an argument with him, he just told Rab Nachman what he wanted to hear, which is that you cannot collect from Yosomim. But, but he lied to him. I mean, there's no other way to say it. Because at the, at the end of the day, he then turned to his Talmudim and said, Rab Ula says that you in fact can collect from Yosomim. Not like what he told Rav Nachman. Wow. Well, guess what? Right away, the Talmudim ratted him out. The Talmudim told Rav Nachman that Ula said that Rav Lazar disagreed with him. So, Amar Rav Nachman, Ishtamtin Ula. Rav Nachman said, oh, really? He lied to me? He told me that you, that you can't collect from Yosomim because he thought that that's what I wanted to hear, but really, really, Ishtamtin Ula. He was avoiding me. Right, because he was afraid, right, to teach you. Rashi, look at this. Shtamti Rula, the second line. Nish Nishmat Mimeni Vayera. He was avoiding me and he was afraid. Mishum Dasvirle Abdakimatali dummy. Right? Because he holds that 
an Evid is like Metalflin, and he's avoiding me because he thinks I'm going to run circles around him in all kinds of halachas and, and kashas, and he doesn't want to get involved with me slugging him up. And so an amazing dynamic here between Rav Nachman and Ula with regards to what the opinion of Rav Lazar was. Unbelievable. So now, okay, the Gemara is going to say, what was the halacha here? So let's go for the case. So there was an incident in Arda, right? And the, and the Dayanim of Narda did in fact collect slaves as payment, right? Of a debt from your from Yorshim. This is Rashi explains that that was the case over there, Afilami Yasmi, right? And, and, and so sure enough, right? They agreed with Rebbe Lazar, uh, with Ula's interpretation of Rebbe Lazar. In other words, they disagreed with Rav Nachman. Again, Rav Nachman holds, you don't collect from Yorshim. And it sounds like the Dayanim of Darda and, and, and and Ula and Eliezer hold that you do collect from Yarshim. Okay, and similarly, you have a Ubda Bifum Tadi, so these are the greatest yeshivas in Bubble of the day. And the Agbe Rabchan Barbizna, and Rabchan Barbizna collected slaves as payment from Yarshim. So Amalur of Nachman, when he heard this, Rav Nachman said to them, Zilu Ahaduru. Rav Nachman disagreed, and he said, Return the slaves. Says you have to return the slaves. You can't take the slaves from the orphans. So again, Rav Nachman disagreed with this, right? So Rav Na- to, the, to Rav Nachman, everything seems like a world gone mad. Everyone's avoiding Rav Nachman, right? Ula holds that Rav Ula isn't even ready to tell Rav Nachman. He knows this for some reason. This is a real pet peeve of Rav Nachman. Rav Nachman thinks that you can never collect from orphans. So he's telling the Dayanim in Pumbedisa, the Dayanim in Arda, he's telling all the greatest Gedolim of his generation. Go return the slaves. You can't take the slaves from your, from your psalmim. And if you don't return the slaves, I'm going to take away your estate. Right? I'm going to take away from you. In other words, he's saying that uh, he's, he's up, it's him against the world, Phil. Okay? You have Ula not even wanting to get involved with it. And he says the Rebbe Lezer holds that you can, in fact, take from your psalmim. You have the Dayanim of Nardon Pupazisa saying that you can collect from your psalmim. And Rav Nachman's running around Saying, if, if Phil collected from Yusomim, if he collected Avadim from Yusomim, he has to, re- to return everything back. Give everything back, or else I'm going to go and I'm going to make uh, a statement and I'm going to have your estate taken away. Mind you, if this was Karka, okay, you'd be able to collect it, Phil. That's the important point here, okay? Karka always has a call, has a paper trail, real estate. You'd be able to collect from Yusomim. It's, but, and if it was Metaltalin, you'd never be able to collect it even from me, okay? For, for, from the original uh, person, debtor. The question is, Avadim, for whatever reason, there seems to be a distinction where Rav Nachman says that it's not like Karka, and therefore the Yorshim, you cannot collect from them, whereas everyone else seems to say, listen, an Evid is like Karka, and therefore just like Phil would be able to collect from Yosomim from the estate in the case of Karka, he should be able to do so in the case of Evid as well. Okay. So this is what happened, right? There was a controversy about this where Rav Nachman's like on an island. So I'm going to lay Rav Nachman. So Rav is trying to reason with Rav Nachman and say, look, everybody holds that you can, uh, that you can collect from Yosomim. That's like Karka. So he says, Rav to Rav Nachman, Ha'ula. Look, Ula obviously, even though he told you what you wanted to hear, he obviously holds that you can collect from Yosomim. Rav Lazar, clearly, Rav Lazar also held that way. And how the Yonav Nadav, Rav Khan of Arbizna, right? And then you have the Dayan of Narda and Rav Khan of Rabizna from Pupadisa. All of these Gedolim hold that you could collect the Yosomim. So Mark, come on, So it seems to be that you're on an island against all of these Gedolim. 
So who do you hold like that you're so strong about this? This is such a hot button issue for you, Rav Nachman, that you can go ahead and say that we can't collect from you. Some of them you're going to start confiscating people's real estate. So Amr Leis, Rav Nachman said, You know, these are all Amarayim guys. But, but, but Rav Nachman holds that there's a Tanaic source for his opinion that says that you can't collect from your son. How so? The Tani Avimi, because we learned in a Brisa from a Tana, Okay, a Prozbul, as we know, is something that you fill out at the end of Yovel to allow you to collect money, right? Whereas Yovel typically cancels out all debts, right? You write a Prozbul and then your debts work. Well, there's a Brisa that says that that would only work on land, on real estate, but not on avadim. What are we about, about to prove? That again, the whole idea that you'd be able to collect from your somim is based on the fact that avadim and karka have the same halacha, right? Because since you can collect from land, you should be able to collect the avadim. But if you're going to demonstrate that land and avadim have different halachas and are very distinct, so then there is a reason to believe, to assume, that maybe the halacha would be different by avadim than it is by real estate. And so this halacha by Prusbal shows a distinction between avadim and real estate. Similarly, metaltal and nikninim karka, avadim. This is an interesting idea. We have something called the Kenyan agav, right? That if I buy, right, uh, if I, we, we talked about this, if I buy uh, Barry's uh, lake house, right? So I'm buying Barry's fancy lake house, assumed in the house is the canoes that are out on the lake. It's not just the contents and the dishes in the house, but it's also the canoes that are out in the, in the, in the yard and the big trampoline. Like, it's all part of it, right? So metaltalin are considered nicknets. They're considered part of the sale of the actual real estate, right? Okay. That's not true, uh, right? If it ain't a nickname of Adam. If I buy Barry's slave, right, I don't necessarily buy the slave's bed, Right, and all the slaves' pillow and all the slaves' accoutrements, right? I'm just taking the dude and, and then, and, and the metaltalin are not nicking avadim. So again, there's a distinction between karka and avadim. So once you bring a, a Tanaic source that says that real estate and avadim are distinct, so you can see why they would be distinct even in the case of getting from a balchov, okay? So the Gemara wants to say, wait a minute. Maybe this whole halacha, this Rav Nachman versus the world, is all really a machlokas tanaim elsewhere. Okay, now that we brought this up, right? Because again, Rav Nachman is trying to prove that there's a Tanaic source and that's the uh, power upon which he as an Amora can go up against all the other Amorim. Because after all, if he can find a Tana, Tana is more authoritative. If he can find a Tana that agrees with him, then he, then, then he has what to stand on. So says the Gemara, should we say it's the following machlokas tanaim as follows? Says the Brisa. You'll remember this, Andrew, from Kiddushin Chafvav. What's going on? Like this. Uh, Barry sells Andrew his slaves and his land. Okay? So, so the question is, what is going to be the method of Kenyan? Phil, I have to tell you. There's something called a Kenyan. <laughs> and it's like a Kenyan chazaka, right? And so whatever... Okay, you pick up a pen. Whatever your mode of acquisition is going to be, what would be, let's say if you only did that mode of acquisition, right? that formal 
Maisa Kinyan will get yeshivish and call it, right? Use words that, like Rav Lachman Shlita says, words that make no sense, but you're used to saying the yeshivas, like you can't articulate. But you did a Maisa Kinyan, whatever it was. You acquired it, you have to make a physical act of acquisition. So let's say you did a physical act of acquisition on the Avadim. Would you say that that would work to be called the Karka? Certainly not, right? In other words, right, you did a physical act, you would have to physically do an act of acquisition on the Avadim and on the Karkas separately in order to acquire both, right? Barry's selling off everything, you would need to do a physical act on both, okay? So again, Barry's selling off both his Avadim and his Karkas, but you can't just be machzik the Avadim and assume that the Karkas come with, that is not gonna work. And similarly, but Karkas, Lokana Avadim, right? If you just did a physical acquisition on the Karka, it wouldn't be Kona the Avadim either, right? So, again, you have to acquire each one individually. Karkalos and metaltalin, however, the Bryce continues to say, if I brought land and all the tchotchkes from Barry, then hichlik bekarka kana metaltalin. There, by buying the real estate, by doing the kinyan on the karka, you are, in fact, kona the metaltalin. But metaltalin lo kana karka. However, if I was just did the kinyan on the tchotchkes, I'm not going to be kona the land. So, so far, everything actually makes sense. In other words, the only case where we have this kinyan agav, is if I take the land and I'm calling it the tchotchkes. Every other combination doesn't work. Avadim, I have to do separately. Land, I have to do separately. Calling it the metaltalin, you're only getting the metaltalin. Calling the avadim, you're only getting the avadim. But metaltalin, okay, so further, but metaltalin, no kind of karka. That's certainly the case, right? I get the tchotchkes, I'm not going to be calling it the karka. And also, avadim, okay, so that's the case of, that's the case of metaltalin and karka and avadim and karka. Now, avadim and metaltalin, what about avadim and metaltalin? Hichlik ba'avadim lokana metaltalin, metaltalin lokana avadim. Again, the Evid and his bed, we'll call it, right? So you come to the Evid, you're not officially kona the bed. You come to the bed, you're not officially kona the Evid. So nothing is really kona anything else in that first part of the Brisa, except for Kenyan Karka will in fact be kona metaltalin. That's the only thing. Happens to be that this is unusual because the Brisa is treating avadim here like metaltalin, in a sense. In the sense that it's certainly not treating it like karka, right? You can't be kona an evid, and with that evid, be kona metaltalin, right? In that sense, the evid is not like karka, okay? Happens to be that there is a little uh, detail here, which is that you can't seem to be kona uh, evid either, right, by be kona the karka that is on top. So in that sense, the, the evid is not like metaltalin, but it's certainly not like karka, right? You're not doing a Kenyan agav of metaltalin by being kona an evid. So that's b'risa number one. And then we have another b'risa of Atanya. The other b'risa says, hichlik ba'avadim kona metaltalin, right? So, so the first b'risa says that if you kona an evid, you're not kona the metaltalin. And then we have a b'risa that says if you kona an evid, you are kona the metaltalin. Oh, sounds like you're treating it like karka, right? Because after all, that's where you have Kenyan Agav. Kenyan Agav means you corner the Karka and the Metatalin comes on top of it. So if you're going to say that if you corner the Evid, you corner the Metatalin, so then that sounds like you're treating like an Evid, like a Karka. So it sounds like the first price it says that the Kenyan Evid, that the Evid is not like Karka, it's like Metatalin, and that's why you can't do a Kenyan Agav on an Evid. And the second price it says that, the Kenyan, that an Evid is in fact like Karka, and therefore you can do a Kenyan uh, um, Right, Agav on an Evid with, and you can be kind of the metaltalin as such. So the Gemara asks, my love, this is exactly our machlokas. The machlokas of Nachman in the world is, is an Evid like Karka or is he like metaltalin? So that's this machlokas. The right? The second Brice uh, that holds that Hitzik Bavadim is kind of metaltalin holds that Avadim are like Karka and therefore they can be collected from Yusaman just if you're going to, right, uh, keep, keep, uh, 
using that inference. Umar suffer in the first bright to hold Avadim Kimatalin Dami, that Avadim are like Metatalin and therefore you cannot collect it from Yasomim, and they're considered like Metatalin for Kinyan Avagav, and also for the cases of inheritance. Okay. So there you go. Machlokas Tanaim, and Rav Nachman holds like one way, and the rest of the world holds like the other way. However, Amar Ravika Badiravami. Ravika Ravami's son said, the No. Everybody holds that Avadim like Karka. Bahatanya Kana Shapir. So, according to the Bryce that says that uh, you can be Kona Metatal on top of an Evid, it's obvious why. Because an Evid is like Karka. But then, how are you going to reconcile the Bryce that says that you're not Kona the Metatal on top of an Evid? Says the Gemara. But Inan Karka Dumya de Ari Mitsuros Behuda. Right, as Rashi explains, that in Masechus Kiddushin, right, where I pointed out that we learned this already, there's a Pasuk that says, What's the idea that, what, what, is, what is this Pasuk? This is a, right, this is the Pasuk that teaches you that, in fact, the Kenyan that was done, uh, was done on, right, this is, I believe, in Divrei uh, Yamim, Bez, right, that in the Kenyan that was done, when they transferred over the, fort, the, uh, the Kenyan Agav with the fortified city of Yehuda, right, the Mitsuros, there was a Kenyan Agav there. And what is unique about Mitsuros? Well, those were cities. In other words, this is the Pasuk that we learned in Kedushin that is the source of Kenyan Agav. All the gold and silver that they acquired, they acquired on top of the cities. Says the Gemara, what is unique about cities? Cities are stationary. Cities are not movable. Oh, that's what he's explaining. In other words, that even though you'll treat Avadim like Karka in many ways, many ways, so, for example, you'll treat a volume like Karka in the sense of inheritance. You can pick it up from Yosomim. But specifically, when it comes to Kenyan Agav, you, in that way, slaves are not like Karka. Right? So even though those slaves are in every other way like Karka, with Kenyan Agav, they're not. Because the source for Kenyan Agav is the Pasuk that, that mentions all the loot, right? All the silver and gold that's in a city. And so that has to be a stationary Karka. And it's so, it, it's, it's like, if you distill out the halacha, avadim are like karka, but specifically not for kinyanaga. For kinyanaga, we need a stationary type of karka. And that's what the Gemara says, right? It has to be an immovable karka for kinyanaga specifically. Oh, fine. And that's, in fact, true. Ditnan, because we actually brought this up. The Mishnah and Kiddush and Chafav mentioned this. Nechasim she'en lamachrais, nicknamed Nechasim she'en lamachrais. That you can, Nechazim Shein Lachrayasfil is another way of saying Metatalin, right? They can be connected with a Kenyan Agav with Nechazim Shein Lachrayas, namely real estate, because of Vishtar Vachazaka. And as we already mentioned, now it sounds a lot like Masechus Kiddushin, that those things can be acquired with either money or a Shtar, right? Or with some sort of proprietary act, right? With some sort of Kenyan, how do we know this? And now we quote the Pesach, right? Their father gave them many gifts, gold, silver, and all those things, together with the city. So that means that those metaltalin were actually acquired with the cities automatically. It's that reference from the Yamim that teaches you the Kenyan Agav, and that's what we just quoted. And you can quote all of this, and the mission is talking about Kenyan Agav over there, only in the case of cities which are immovable. And it is for that reason that the Avadim, despite being right, treated like Karka, are not treated so for the case of Kenyan Agav, and that actually accounts for the, the, for the 
right? Discrepancy between the two Bryces, right? One Bryce makes it sound like they're like Avadit, that they like Arka. Another makes it sound like they are not. And that's just with respect to Kinyan Agav. That's one version of Ravika Derav Ami. Now, some said that Ravika did not quote that it was a different Ravika, not the son of Ravami, but the son of Ravidi, and he said the exact opposite. The op- exact opposite. Avadim are not like Karka, they're in fact exactly like Metaltalin. Wait a minute. So once they're like Metaltalin, so then that's certainly consistent with the Bryce that says that you can't do a Kinyanagav on Avadim, because you can't do a Kinyanagav on Metaltalin. However, so then how are you going to, if you're going to say that Avadim are like Metaltalin, so then how in the world are you going to justify Brysa that says that you could be kind of metaltalin on top of an, ege, of an Eved in a Kenyan Agav scenario? Says the Gemara, but Odan Alav. Because, in fact, you're not doing a Kenyan Agav. You're not. You're just being kind of the Eved's bling that he's actually wearing. Right? You're, you're, you're being kind of his clothing, his bling, all of his uh, jewelry. That you're kind of, and it's not a Kenyan Agav. It's the Kenyan Chatzer. In meaning, it's a Kenyan of something that's in his domain. It's not, some, it's not the same mechanism as a Kenyan Agav. So the Gemara, Wait a minute. If, in fact, the Gemara challenges this. He says, it's not necessarily true that you're Kona the Evid's hat together with the Evid. Just because he's wearing it, does that mean that he makes a Kenyan Chatzar out of? In other words, while the hat is still on him. Why does that help? Chatzar Mahalachasi. After all, isn't the Evid a movable Chatzar? And didn't we learn V'chatzar Mahalachas lo Kana? Didn't we learn that a movable chatzer does not, in fact, kone anything? And therefore, even the shirt on his back, the Evid shouldn't be kone. And if you're going to say that maybe the Evid is standing and is not mobile, that just the fact that the Evid is capable of walking, he's already not kone, even if he happens to be stationary or standing or sitting right now. So now, of course, you know where this is headed. The case where it must be talking about is when the slave is actually gagged and bound. In that case, the slave indeed can be used as a chatzar, and it is in, the, in that case that we're referring to where you're making the Kenyan chatzar, and that is explaining the bracer when you're doing the Kenyan Agav, you can be kona his hat while he's gagged and bound, okay? Not very PC, but you get the point. Okay, so anyway, so now we have a bracer that says that you can, that an Evid's like metaltalin. We have another bracer that says an Evid is like karka. Now we bring in a third bracer to spice it up, the hatanya. The third bracer, six lines up from the says, hichzik bekarka kona avadim. This is not, this, we didn't even see that in the first price. In other words, in the, in the first price of Karka, you can't be Kona Avadim on top of Karka. This is the ultimate extreme that Avadim are really treated like Metatalin. That when you actually make a Kenyan on the real estate, you're Kona the Evid with that. Just like Metatalin. The Gemara says, so how do you reconcile that with the first b'risa, who says that you can't be kona avadim in that way? Says the Gemara, In the third b'risa, the reason why you kona the avid is because they're literally standing in the field, and therefore they're acquired along with the field, not by Kenyan agav, but simply, again, by Kenyan chatzer. Okay? Now says the Gemara, okay, that, but that implies in the first b'risa, that he was not acquire, uh, acquiring the avadim, right? That if they're not, if the slaves are not standing in the field, that you're not Kone, right? And you just explained that the whole difference is whether the fl- slaves are standing in the field or not, right? So if they're in the field, you're Kone by a chatzer. If they're not in the field, then you're not Kone them. So wait a minute, honey, the chalach of Ami. I can understand according to the version of So in that version, we said that avadim are exactly like metatalin, and that's hainu di omdi in ilolo. And therefore, it makes sense 
that resolution of saying if the Avadim are in the field, you're Kona, if not, they're not. But according to the second version, right, of Ika, that said that Avadim are in fact like Karka, right? So we had two diametrically opposed versions. According to the version that they're like Karka, well, if they're like Karka, why does it matter whether the Avadim is standing in the field or not? We already learned, that this was in Kedushan Chavzayin, that Shmuel made a statement that when it comes to real estate, if Barry has real estate in like 30 different countries, or in this case, 10 different countries, once, right, Phil does a Kenyan on one of them, assuming that uh, Barry is selling all of them to Phil in the contract, so he only has to make a Kenyan on one, and with such a Kenyan, he's kind of all of them. Which is to say, if you treat like the Avadim like Matata, then I can understand but if you're going to say like the second version where the Avadim are treated like Karka, again, we were able to reconcile it either way. We could say this is an exception if you treat it like Avadim or it's an exception if you treat him like Metaltalin. If you treat him like Karka or like Metaltalin. The problem is if you treat him like Karka, then it shouldn't matter whether they're standing in the field or not. Because we know that when it comes to purchasing fields, you could purchase real estate all over the world by making a Kenyan on only one of the fields. And therefore, it would make no sense to say that the Avid would have to be standing in the Field in order to be kone. Says the Gemara. And even according to your reasoning, even if you're going to say, we're going to up the ante, and you can say, even say that the Evans like Metaltalin, why would he have to stand in the field? After all, we learned Kiddushin Chafav. Don't you remember we had a question? We had a question. If somebody buys Barry's beach house, do you need, and he wants to also own the canoes and, and the hammock that are outside. Do you have to put the canoe and the hammock inside the house in order for them to be nikna? And we said that that's not the case. We, had, we said that's called siburin. Siburin means do they have to be actually in the house in order to be kona. We said that that's not the case. So So even in the case, even if you hold that, it's like metatalin, it doesn't have to be on top of the karka. So what does this mean? It says the Gemara, shiny metatalin, the whole question here is, does the actual metaltalin, or the Zelda, as it were, have a mind of its own, right? If it's something that walks off on its own, so then we're going to say that it needs to be on the property in order to be nikna, right? Where the, so that's an evid, and evid's moving around. If it's stationary, so then it doesn't have to be. That's the question. So it says like this. So whether you treat an evid like a metaltalin, or you treat an evid like karka, either way, the difference is not whether the evidence is like Karka or Metaltalin, but rather whether the evidence is movable or not. If he's movable, he needs to be on the property in order to be nicknice. If he's immovable, then he does not, right? So, of the Mekarkoidin deny the who. Because an evidence is, in fact, is like a movable Karka. And Hasam son of the Arachadu. Well, in the case of Shmuel, when he's talking about other lands, so that's a Karka that you could be Kone entirely with one, making one Kenyan, because Sadna the Arachadu means the entire globe is one is considered one object, right? So all the lands of the earth are actually sitting on the same globe, and it's for that reason that if you're Kona one land, you're Kona the other lands. Even if they're separated by seas and all this other thing, right? The, all of them are stationary on top of the earth, as opposed to an ever that's moving around, and therefore he, you, he would have to be on the carcass. So in the two dots, six lines down, you base and base. And we talk about Nechaz and Shein ben Mi'ilas. So now we're in the next part of the Mishnah. With the next two minutes, we're going to introduce this idea. What did the Mishnah say? The Mishnah said that you only hire for damages for something because it says shor re'ehu. Back in the world of Nazikin. Back in the world of Nazikin, we're talking about that you're only going to be chayef to pay if you're mazik something of a civilian, not something that belonged to Hekdesh. So the Gemara says, Mi'ilahu delesbuhu ha'mikdash kachi. Rashi's pointing out an important idea that when it comes to Nazikin, 
there's a difference between when it comes to Kodesh, there's a difference between right Kodesh Kadashim and Kachim Kalim. Which is to say, Mi'ila only applies to Kachay Kachim. However, right, Kachay Kalim, right, can in fact, if you damage Kachay Kalim, which we're going to explain uh, in greater detail tomorrow, if you damage Kachay Kalim, you will in fact have to pay it. This is uh, Rashi over here says, Kachim Kalim Shein Be Mi'ila, Mechaim El Be Murin Lachas Rikas Dam Kedaksin Masechas Mi'ila. And Dafzayin Or Bezim Masechas Mi'ila, there's a distinction. When we talk about, right, where a Kachim Kalim become like hectic that you, that are so removed, right, from civilian life that you're not even going to be chayah for damaging them. That's only after they've been shechted and there's been zrika sadam and it's there that we'll pick up as Hashem tomorrow.